I got to get this off my chest, Joey. As you know, on the last episode on the Paincast part two, I was tilting my absolute face off about this Nick Chubb decision to forego the touchdown at the end of last week's game. Look, I'm not here to relive that trauma. But over the past few days, I mistakenly wandered into Brown's Twitter. God, what a miserable place to be. And the tilt just flooded back to me. It wasn't what they were saying, but it was the tone in which they were saying it. You know, Chubb did the most important thing. He got a win for Cleveland. Who cares about these sports bettors, these heathen gamblers, these fantasy dorks? Real life NFL is all that matters. Stop. Look, Nick Chubb did what he had to do, did what he was coached to do. That's fine. But these mouth-breathing fools who can't understand why people would possibly be upset or have a negative reaction to it because ultimately the Browns got a win— Who cares about the Browns? There are well over a hundred times more fantasy football players in North America than the entire population of Cleveland. That's a fact. That's not even counting sports bettors. Of course, more people care about the fantasy implications and the sports betting implications of a football play than which team won. If there was an Avengers like Thanos snap and all of Cleveland just disappeared from Earth tomorrow and the Browns with him, the NFL would be fine. They'd have to do some paperwork, maybe rework the schedule, rework the divisions, but the league would be completely okay. If fantasy football and sports betting disappeared, the NFL would immediately collapse. Every sports league in America would. So please, people of Cleveland and online morons who agreed with their terrible takes, don't get it twisted. If it weren't for fantasy football and sports betting, there would be no Cleveland Browns as you currently know them in 2020. There would be no football as you currently know it in 2020. So how about a little appreciation for the fantasy football players out there? <laughs> Yo, you sound mad. Are I'm not mad? I'm not even mad. I, I just I can't believe these these fools who who think that the Cleveland Browns are, are some almighty thing that we all should be so happy for. Like who cares? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to your whole uh, thesis of your argument, that that's like an two hour long conversation that we can have about, you know, gambling and the NFL and how basically 99% of people who are watching games have fantasy implications or money on the line and most likely probably wouldn't be watching the games if that wasn't the case, I would think, right? So it's definitely important, but I definitely think uh, you're kind of (laughs) salty. And you have to, you know, heal yourself, Ben. Mm. Heal yourself from this wound that the city of Cleveland has caused you to have in the last couple of weeks. You you need to you need to self heal. You need to meditate. Mm-hmm. Go get a coffee and just find your inner peace because it's bringing out the worst in you. God, Joey, I'll try. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 107 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to preview the week 11 NFL main slate on DraftKings. We're going to start off by looking through the Vegas lines. We'll talk some chalk, give our thoughts on optimal cash game lineup construction, discuss our preferred tournament picks, stacks, leverage, long shots, all of that good stuff. And of course, we'll close out the show with our best bets of the week. But before we do any of that, Joey, can you tell the people 
how to support the podcast. You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out clips to the podcast, tweet out links to all of our content, whether that be YouTube videos, cash game articles from Ben. That's where everything gets tweeted is on our Twitter. So make sure you are following us over there and then make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you use, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Just make sure you are subscribed. So if you're listening to this, It's just one button that you have to press. And then you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. Gain in subscribers every single day, which is pretty lit. Lastly, you can join our free Discord server in the link down below in the description of this podcast where we talk DFS every single day. And, you know, we even threw some some sports cards up in there today. So. (laughs) so make sure you go ahead and join that like i said it is free to join so no cost and you get the best advice from the best analysts in the dfs community so what's not to like about it make sure you join yeah so let's dive in to the week 11 main slate on DraftKings. this is an 11 game main slate with seven games early and four games in the afternoon there are only two games with totals above 50 on this slate no teams with totals above 29 and the top five implied team totals on the slate in order Steelers number one with 28.75 the Saints and Vikings tied for second with 28 each Baltimore 27.75 and the Chargers bringing up the rear at 27.75. The first thing that stands out to me is the lack of high total games on this slate. Like I said, only two games with totals above 50. And to put that in perspective, last week there were six games with totals above 50. Six games in the week before that as well. So Joey, how do you see Vegas's tepid projections for week 11 slate translating into our world into DFS. So what I think Vegas is telling us this week is that, you know, these games are are pretty trash. And just from a real life perspective, I have no interest in watching a Cincinnati versus Washington game. You know, I have no interest in watching a Dolphins Broncos game or a Jets Chargers game. Now, I will say there are individual players in some of these trash games that are appealing in DFS, but in terms of, you know, just an overlook real quick, I think this could be another low scoring week like we saw last week. So I think with this slate that game stacks are going to be less popular in my opinion, because there's not many viable stacks. And I think that there are going to be a lot of one-offs in this week, which I don't necessarily think is correct but i think it is a viable week to play one-offs because like i said there are a lot of individual good plays yeah that makes a lot of sense to me as well i mean none of these games are really jumping off the page outside of i think the falcons and saints game which we'll get to in a minute but a lot of them i think could be really one-sided and those types of games are going to produce individual players maybe a player or two that absolutely pop off but it'll be hard to full stack a lot of these games so we're gonna have to hit on our one-offs you know we talked about it last week on the recap show about the uh you know how the millie maker lineup was extremely uncorrelated and how many one-offs hit in that lineup and i think that we could see something similar atop the gpp leaderboards this week yeah i definitely agree with that take all right well let's get into the players who are going to be popular on this slate we'll talk some chalk and we can start off with the quarterback position now there's no kyler murray on the slate no russell wilson no patrick mahomes no josh allen And that leaves us one high-priced quarterback to soak up all of the ownership. And that's Lamar Jackson at 7,300 at home. 
in a rematch game of last year's divisional playoff shocker, a game that saw the Ravens' historic season come to a screeching halt. The Ravens were ousted from the playoffs. They put up 12 points after averaging like 30 per game last year, got embarrassed by a 200-yard big dog performance. How are you viewing this spot for Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think this is a great spot for Lamar. You know, the Ravens have been trash this season, and Lamar has been trash, I would say. But he's reached 45 yards rushing in every single game but one. So you're getting elite rushing upside from Lamar. And, you know, like he hasn't been good in the passing game. But this is a clear smash spot for him against a defense that has given up the seventh most points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And I think this is a week where he is a threat to get the double bonus, the passing bonus, and the rushing bonus. So Lamar at 7,300, I think is going to be the highest owned quarterback on the slate. And we'll definitely get into it with the cash game construction. I just don't know if you'll be able to fit him if you build your lineup a certain way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's iffy for me is, you know, in terms of if I'll be able to fit him in cash, you would think, right, that he is a threat to get the double bonus. I mean, he did it in this same matchup last week. Like I referenced that divisional game, Lamar Jackson had 365 yards passing in a touchdown and he had 20 rushing attempts for 143 yards, 38.9 DraftKings points in a game where the Ravens scored 12 points. He's not the same player that he was last year. And I think that we have to recognize that. And it's just obvious. I mean, he hasn't even thrown for 300 yards passing in a single game this year. We're, we're in week 11. 10, 10 games, no 300 yard bonus. I just, I don't know if he necessarily has it in him. You know, in that game, in the divisional game, he had 59 passing attempts. If that happens this year with the way he's playing, it would just be a stone disaster for the Ravens. I, I just, I don't see that being the path to Lamar Jackson having a successful game here. I think that his ceiling is quite a bit lower due to the reduced passing efficiency that we've seen out of him this year. I'm not too confident in him in cash from that sense, in the sense that if they get down, I don't think that they could climb back out. But the rushing floor is definitely there. I mean, over the past three weeks, 11 rush attempts. 13 rush attempts, 16 rush attempts, and without Kyler, without Mahomes, without Allen, without Wilson, I I mean, just that floor is worth something in, in a slate like this. Yeah, I definitely agree. And just going back to your original point, I don't think it's been because Lamar has been bad. I think it's because... The offense has gotten predictable, which is a notable trend in Greg Roman offenses. You can go back to Colin Kaepernick days when he was the uh, offensive coordinator in San Fran with him. Obviously, Kaepernick had that historic season where he he just ran all over everybody. Then the next year, he got absolutely locked up. So I think that's just a trend with the offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. And then I also think that, you know, his wide receivers just haven't gotten open. Um... Hollywood Brown has been one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL in 2020. Then obviously Willie Sneed isn't really a threat. Uh, who else? Miles Boykin isn't a threat at this point in his career. Devin Duvernay is a special teams player and Mark Andrews seems like he has five drops every single game. So Lamar hasn't been helped by literally anybody on his entire team. And I think that factors into it a little bit. But this is definitely a get right spot for Lamar and the Ravens skill position players. So I will definitely be playing them in tournaments 100%. They are one of my favorite stacks. But in cash, I think Lamar is the best cash game quarterback play. But you don't necessarily have to go there. And I most likely, I don't want to say most likely, but I 
may not play him in cash. Well, the thing is, is you don't have to because there's another option. The other chalky quarterback on this slate that is just going to draw a ton of popularity. And I don't know about you, Joey, but I've been waiting for this. It's Winston week. Famous Jameis, (laughs) the blind bomber, the braille baller on the bench no longer. I'm excited for this. Sean Payton has not officially announced that Winston will be the same starting quarterback following Drew Brees' rib fractures and his collapsed lung, but... I think that Taysom Hill is definitely not the guy, you know, the biggest waste of $19 million we've ever seen. He'll get some snaps, no doubt, maybe more than usual, probably more than usual, but you know, this is going to be the Jameis Winston show and it couldn't be a better spot for him at home against a team he's extremely familiar with in the Falcons. How are you feeling about Jameis Winston, aka the Blind Bomber this week? (laughs) The Blind Bomber, huh? Is that his new uh, nickname? You heard it here first. Yeah, I mean, Jameis is one of the better plays on the board, I would think, at 5,900 at home in a dome against a Falcons defense that gives up the most DraftKings points per game to opposing quarterbacks. So this is a phenomenal spot for Jameis Winston. It's just you really never know what you're going to get with him. You never know if you're going to get the 500-yard, four-touchdown Winston or the 100-yard, seven-interception Winston. Just a very inconsistent player. And then you also throw in the fact that Taysom Hill could factor in, could steal uh, quarterback touches away from Winston. I think it's a very muddy situation. And... I think people will play Winston. I think he will be popular. I don't think he will be more owned than than Lamar just due to that uncertainty, but I wouldn't mind playing Jameis Winston in cash in this week. I I think it's just too good of a spot to pass up on on a player that has 500 plus yard upside at this point. So give me Jameis Winston this week. I I love it. I love the spot for him. And I think that this game has fewer paths to failure than the Ravens Titans game from a cash game perspective. But you also have to look at it like this. I mean, it's not something that you ever talk about with quarterbacks, but what if Jameis Winston is in a timeshare? You know, what if he's only playing 75% of quarterback snaps? Mm -hmm. They're going to be putting Taysom Hill in there. And I think that they lean on favoring Taysom Hill in the red zone. Like he could score some rushing touchdowns, vulture that away from Winston's ability to pass them away from Kamara's ability to score touchdowns, who we'll get into in a minute. But I just think that it's going to be a messy week. I don't think that Jameis is going to be taking, you know, even 80% of the snaps. I think that they'll work Taysom Hill in. I mean, they kind of have to to justify what they're paying this man. That definitely makes sense, like, you know, from a justification perspective. But how I'm viewing the situation and... It might be an unpopular opinion. I think that Taysom Hill's role isn't going to change. I think he's going to keep the same role that he's had all season where he's going to come in. He might take a pass attempt or two, and then he'll get probably three to six rushing attempts. And now they, those attempts could come in, you know, the high value situations when the Saints are in the red zone, in the 10 yard line, five yard line, et cetera. So that could definitely hurt Winston's upside to, and his touchdown upside, obviously. But I, I don't think his role changes. Um, I, I think they run Winston as their starter. Obviously, Taysom Hill will spell him. But at this point, I don't think, you know, you can justify playing a trash can like Taysom Hill over 
Jameis Winston and the upside that he presents on a weekly basis, especially if they actually want to win this game. Makes sense. And we will have to find salary this week. And one of the reasons is because of these running backs. Now, Alvin Kamara, 9,200 and Dalvin Cook, 9K. Both players will be popular. This could, in fact, be a vintage jam them in type of week in cash builds where we're trying to fit almost $18,000 worth of running backs into two roster spots. Both of these players have high floors. Both of them have sky high ceilings and both of these teams are expected to score points they're tied for having the second highest implied team total on the slate with 28 but i believe that one of these two players is a significantly better play than the other i want to hear your thoughts before i give mine joey how are you looking at these two running backs and differentiating between the two of them yeah, so I think that both of them are locks this week. So I will probably be on Team Jamma Men for the first time all season. They're just both in phenomenal spots. But, you know, if I had to pick one, who I think is the better play, it's Delvin Cook at 9k over Camaro at 9200. I mean, this dude Delvin Cook is the definition of a usage monster. You know, 30 plus touches in two out of the last three games uh, after returning from injury, obviously a 51 and a 42 point game and at home against a Dallas defense that is absolute trash. Yeah, give me give me Delvin Cook all day, especially since Alvin Camara isn't a lock for touches. Like this man regularly sits at what 15 touches and he gets there because he gets high value touches and because he's just a legit you know good running back so he gets there and he and he's a good play but Delvin Cook is is far better this week in my opinion 100% agree and to me it's always going to be about the volume of touches and and Delvin Cook it's just he has that like you said 30 plus and two out of his last three no less than 24 since he returned from injury in week eight I mean Alvin Kamara has zero games with 24 touches or more in 2020. Now he has a higher receiving floor, and I've heard some whispers in the DFS community that there's concern about Alvin Kamara's role, you know, in the receiving game, you know, is Winston going to be pushing the ball downfield more, getting away from the Alvin Kamara usage in the dump offs. But I mean, I don't see that happening. I think that's more of a scheme thing with the Saints offense and Winston isn't stupid. He's going to go to one of his best players, which is either Kamara or Thomas Mm -hmm. as much as he possibly can. So I do think Alvin Kamara's usage is safe and he could always score three touchdowns. We saw it last week, but you can't even say that Alvin Kamara has better touchdown upside than Dalvin Cook. You know, you (laughs) you really can't. Dalvin Cook has 13 and he missed time. So Dalvin Cook to me is my top running back play of the week. I think that that game has some sneaky upside. Dallas, Minnesota with Andy Dalton returning could push the Cowboys offense back at least into a semi-competitive range. So I do like Dalvin Cook the most. I don't know if I'm going to be on Team Jam. I'm in this week. We can talk about that more in cash game lineup construction. But if I'm in a situation where I'm only choosing one of these guys, it will be Dalvin Cook at 9K. Dalvin Cook is the better cash game play than Kamara this week, 100%. There's another tier of running backs that consists of two guys that I think will cap off the top four in terms of ownership. And these two guys come from the same game and it is the Detroit Carolina game Mike Davis at 6,800 and DeAndre Swift at 6,400 um you know Mike Davis at home for the Panthers this week let's talk about it I mean how are you feeling about Mike Davis he got a nice $2,800 price bump after being the min price last week but you know really he has not been the same player as he was when he initially came in he's had between 8.4 and 8.7 DraftKings points in four games straight 
Yeah, Mike Davis has been trash. Okay, he's he's been trash the last four games. Now, granted, that Kansas City game where he scored 8.7, CMC was back and obviously resumed his workhorse role. But in the two previous games prior to that, he was trash. And even in the in the three previous prior games, if we include that Chicago game where he scored 12 points, he was trash. So I don't think I am playing Mike Davis this week. Now, it, it might be a, a very tough fade because the Lions literally get obliterated by opposing running backs. So definitely could hurt us if we fade him but I think DeAndre Swift at 6400 and you know just as good of a matchup because the Panthers can't stop opposing running backs either is a better play I think DeAndre Swift is more talented than Mike Davis I think his role is there to stay Uh, we saw him have 21 touches in last week's game against Washington so I think that the Lions can't take him off the field after what they saw from him in week 10 and a $400 difference between the two that could make a difference in the rest of your lineup so i'll take the cheaper running back who i think is is a better player and might have a better role on their team at this point in the season yeah i mean I, it's not even a question when you break down the price is better for swift um the talent is innumerably better and i think that the role is arguably better and there was an interesting quote from the lions offensive coordinator daryl bevel that came out this week and it was about how he had to sit down with adrian peterson prior to last week's game game and talk about the role that he and Swift would have. And the quote was that it's quote important for us to talk to Adrian and understand the role that they're going to play from now on. Key words from now on. 20 plus touch DeAndre Swift is here to stay. And I think that after, you know, what he put on tape last week, it would be insane for the Lions to go away from him. Now, you know, this is obviously a donkey coaching staff, so who knows? Maybe Adrian Peterson comes in, gets 20 touches this week, and Swift is back to 12 to 15. Would I be shocked? No, not at all with Matt Patricia there, but I I don't think that that's going to happen. And at 6,400, I think Swift is a good play. I mean, we talked about it last week that if he was sub 6K coming out, that he would be an auto auto lock in this spot, 6,400. A little bit more expensive, but I I still think he's a phenomenal play in cash games this week. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So give us DeAndre Swift over that bum Mike Davis this week. Yep, agree with that at wide receiver in terms of chalk. And we can talk about this a little bit more when we get to cash game lineup construction. But I think that this is very much a stars and scrubs type week of wide receiver. I think that ownership will likely consolidate around a couple of guys up top and a couple of guys down low and largely skip the mid range, which will be great for tournaments and finding value at wide receiver there. But at the high range, I think The three guys that are going to be the most popular are Terry McLaurin at 6,900, Michael Thomas at 7,300, and Keenan Allen at 7,400, finally priced up to where he should be. How do you feel about this tier of wide receivers? I mean, I think this tier is great. I mean, you're just getting great players at solid prices, and then obviously, you know, they have very good target shares in their respective offenses. And literally all three of them have great matchups this week. Keenan against the Jets, Michael Thomas against the Falcons, and Terry McLaurin against the Bengals. So if you want to pay up to one of these wide receivers, I don't hate it. I think they will be owned, but the ownership could fall off if everybody decides to go on the team this week, on the team jam them in. Uh, so we could see some lower price wide receivers become the chalk this week. 
week, like you said. It's probably a stars and scrubs lineup, and the scrubs are going to be the wide receivers that you play besides one of them. Can we go back to Michael Thomas? Can we trust it, Joey, going against uh, Sheffield? In, in the Falcons <laughs> secondary. I mean, that is just an insane matchup that favors Thomas. Yeah, he'll have a quarterback switch. I mean, Jameis Winston will probably miss him like four plus times. But I mean, God, this is such a great spot for Michael Thomas at 7,300. And you get a nice cheap stack there with him and, and Jameis. Like, I love this spot for them. It's just, I mean, God, Michael Thomas absolutely killed me last week. <laughs> I don't know if I can stomach it. <sighs> this might be a hot take. And I'm coming up with that on the spot. I think Michael Thomas could be a better cash play than Alvin Kamara this week mm. for a nineteen hundred dollar discount. Mm. I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board with this take. I am on board with this take. Let's do it. Let's load up the MT. Just run it. You know, could come back to bite us. Uh, that that could be the story of this week. But to win in DraftKings, to win in DFS, to win in life, you have to take risks. You have to take stands. And this could be a stand that could be very profitable this week by paying up to Michael Thomas, sacrificing Kamara. You know, you're still getting a workhorse running back in Delvin Cook. And then you can obviously play Swift and another running back in the flex, but you get Michael Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, should see a solid amount of targets in a great matchup. And we could see Winston push the ball down the field more. I like Michael Thomas a lot at 7,300. That's what I'm going to leave it at. But, but if he's pushing the ball down the field more, it's not going to Michael Thomas. Thomas doesn't run routes beyond five yards down the field. Mm. So <laughs> we, we, can, we could see an expanded route tree this week wow i mean if if he has spent the time learning some of those routes that would be really ideal for us but i I hope he has (laughs) (laughs) all right enough dilly dallying it's time i know that there is a player on this slate a wide receiver that you joey were as bold as to call a lock like 20 minutes after (laughs) came, came out at like midnight on monday so let's hear it who is the wide receiver that everybody should be playing in DraftKings this week okay if you're not playing Jacoby Myers in cash this week, you need to find a new hobby. You need to find something else to do with your time because this man is an absolute stone lock at 4,900. First of all, how are you going to price this man below 5k? That's just absolutely disrespectful. You want to hear a fun fact? This man is PFF's number three graded wide receiver behind Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams. Fun fact. A big PFF guy over here. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just a little fun fact. And then if we look at the more statistical facts, last three weeks, no less than a 38.9% target share, no less than six targets. He's averaging 6.8 catches, so almost seven catches per game, 86 and a half yards in the four games since he's become a starter. He's 4,900, bruh. Come on. You know, sometimes DFS is easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy. Playing Jacoby Myers this week is literally so easy. Affordable price, solid floor, good matchup against Houston. The only wide receiver that is capable of getting open on the Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan. I watch my team every single week play Jacoby Myers this week. It's that easy. That's my rant. Man, I mean, I was I was ready to come in here, call you biased, you know, call him a bum, but I just heard nothing but facts. I honestly heard nothing but facts. I'm locking him in right now. 4,900. Jacoby Myers is a cash game lock. I'm with (laughs) Absolute cash game lock. Like I said, if you're not playing him, 
You need to retire from DFS because this ain't your game. You need to send me a head-to-head at JD carrying 300. You know, I haven't gotten any head-to-head requests. You're too shy. Maybe people are just too scared to lose their money to me. I mean, I had a 0.5% win rate last week. So come <laughs> give me some action this week for any amount. If you don't play Jacoby Myers, please. Just just do it, please. There, he's definitely the best uh, wide receiver on the Patriots. He might be the best uh, quarterback on the Patriots, too. Did you see that dime? Yeah. I know you saw that dime to Rex Burkhead. I don't think Cam Newton can make that throw. <laughs> Yeah, it was a dot, especially in bad weather in the rain, you know, in New England. And I and I'm just gonna finish off this section by saying this. I think Jacoby Myers is going to be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate in cash games this week. I think people are on it for sure. One hundred percent. All right. That is something to keep in mind. Are there any other wide receivers at the low end that you think will be extremely highly owned like enough to be considered chalk i mean i think that there will be some guys that people look to but i don't know if any of these guys are going to be chalk like rager gallup kj hamler michael Pittman. like people will look at these guys but i don't think that any of them are going to be pushing 15 percent or more yeah i don't think they'll be over 15 percent now i don't think they'll be one percent um especially Michael Pittman and Rieger and Gallup, who is 3,700, uh, very cheap and the Cowboys get Dalton back. So I, I think these, these guys are cash viable, especially if you jam in Camara and Cook. Like you're going to have to pay down to one of these guys. And, you know, just for the listeners, I'll rank them from my favorite to least favorite. Favorite Pittman, Gallup, Rieger in order okay i haven't really thought about it but i think i would go rieger Pittman, gallup probably or maybe Pittman switched i think gallup is definitely my least favorite um a lot of his production came post andy dalton i think that things shift a little bit back towards cd lamb and cooper in this spot i think gallup is definitely a trap but i mean he definitely has upside at that price tight end in terms of chalk, I don't know if I think that anybody is necessarily going to be clear-cut chalk. I mean, this is a pretty much a wash at tight end mm-hmm. this week. Um, maybe Mark Andrews at 4900 just because he you know, probably has the highest upside and the price is good at 4900 But I don't know. It seems like this is just a, a wash. I mean, the whole position's a wash every single week. Yeah, and... I think that people are starting to realize that. Obviously, DraftKings realized that by capping the salary at 4900 this week. And, you know, I sent out that tweet where it's like, we've never seen a skill position group be capped at 4900 That's how bad tight ends are. So I don't think ownership will condense on one player. If I had to take a guess at who is going to be more owned than others, I think people will be fine going back to Dallas Goddard. I know he was chalked last week and got a price decrease to 3,800. So I could see him end up being semi-chalk. But other than that, you just have a lot of tight ends in, in good matchups at favorable prices like Hooper, Ebron, even Jared Cook. So we'll, we'll see ownership spread out on tight end. I don't think there's a clear-cut chalk guy this week all right let's move on to cash game lineup construction i think easily the biggest decision point that we'll have to make in week 11 for dk cash games and we've already talked about it is can you jam them in this week and also should you jam them in this week for cash games man i think it's hard not to but i think it's viable if you fade 
one of Kamara or Delvin Cook, I would probably advise to not fade Delvin Cook in this spot against the Cowboys. So my lean would probably be to fade Kamara. Like we mentioned, you could fade him for one of, you know, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Terry McLaurin. If you want to go that route, I think it does make sense to get in as many touches as you can uh, in your running back positions and then obviously in your flex. So for your three running backs, you want to just jam in those touches in cash. You want that safe floor that Kamara Cook and a guy like uh, Mike Davis or DeAndre Swift will give you this week in cash. And you know, if they if they all score 20-25, you're selling. You're, you're literally vibing in cash games. So it's definitely going to be a tough decision to make. And we'll see if some value opens up throughout the rest of the week. And Kamara is questionable and was limited in practice on Wednesday with a foot injury. So maybe... Kamara won't play, and then we won't have to worry about fading him. Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, Trey Quan, a.k.a. Treyway, is dealing with a concussion as well, which he suffered in the game. I mean, maybe we just jam Kamara and Michael Thomas and get like 85% exposure to that offense and then, you know, just sit and watch as Taysom Hill scores three touchdowns. <laughs> if Taysom Hill scores multiple touchdowns this week, I'll quit DFS. Might have to play some FanDuel where you can play him at tight end just to get the uh, the leverage, yeah. the exposure. <laughs> yeah, no shot on playing Taysom Hill in DraftKings or FanDuel this week. No shot. I'm not playing a player that's going to be on the field for 10% of the snaps. Yeah, and I'm not playing an inferior product, so I won't be on FanDuel. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> so just to get my thoughts on Team Jamma, man, I personally at least at this point on Wednesday evening, I think that I will most likely play just one of these guys. I think that that will be Dalvin Cook, but I'm not committed to that yet. So definitely check out the cash pool article on Friday to see if the thoughts change. But I really do like the build that, you know, consists of maybe both Terry McLaurin and Michael Thomas or Terry McLaurin and and Keenan Allen with one cheap wide receiver, obviously that being Jacoby Myers. So I don't know yet, but it, it is something to think about for sure this is the best jam in slate that we've had all year easily but what other running backs do you think are cash viable outside of the four that we've talked in depth about already i don't think there are many cash viable running backs this week if you want to go in the cheaper range i think that jd mckissick your boy is in play especially if he gets 10 plus targets at 5200 but i think at an elevated price tag i probably won't go there personally but i know you do like him a lot i think if you if you want you can go with a guy like Miles Sanders who's going to get touches. I think James Conner could be in play at 6,600 in a phenomenal matchup against the Jaguars and he's seen 15 plus touches in every single game but two on the season. So those are some running backs that I think are in play. For me, my cash pool for running backs is going to consist of the top two guys in Kamara and Cook and then the mid-tier guys with Swift and Mike Davis. Let me cap a little bit for my boy, J.D. McKissick. I mean, he is second in the NFL right now in running back targets, and his volume as a receiver has just skyrocketed since Alex Smith took over two weeks ago as the starting quarterback, 29 targets in that span. And he did get a price bump. So yeah, you can say it's an elevated price at 5,200, but where else are you going to be able to find 14 plus targets at 5,200? You're just not. So I like JD McKissick quite a bit. You are sacrificing 
some upside, I think. You're maybe capping your upside a little bit by playing him, but I mean, he had 17 points two weeks ago without a touchdown, so I think you could definitely say that 25 points is a realistic ceiling for him with that target share. All he needs is a touchdown, and his floor is relatively high too. I mean, God, we're talking about a guy who's averaging 14 and a half targets over two weeks, so I mean, that's absolutely elite. You're basically getting an Alvin Kamara-esque workload for 4k cheaper you're also you know losing quite a bit of offensive production and talent from the Saints to the Washington football team but yeah I mean I like McKissick quite a bit at 5200 and Joey I've got a real disgusting play I want to throw out there let me know what you think about this cash game viability 5600 on DraftKings Kalen Balage. what do you think <laughs> come on look 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 come on come on so over the past two weeks 17 touches last week had 23 touches six targets 18 attempts Anthony Lynn recommitted to him today calling him the guy calling him the primary guy they're gonna have to get him touches at home with a top five implied team total in a revenge game against the Jets come on <laughs> You know, maybe we just have to throw our biases aside about Kalen Balaj, uh that we had for him when he was in Miami and then when he was with New York and trash ass Adam Gase. And you might be onto something. I didn't I didn't really consider him until now, but Anthony Lynn said that he's their primary back moving forward until Austin Eckler returns. So we don't really have to be worried about Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly or Tremaine Pope. So you might be onto something, Ben. You might be onto something with Kalen Balaj at 5,600. And you know, I never thought of Kalen Balaj as like an accomplished pass catcher. I never really thought of Justin Jackson that way either, but it's part of the way this offense moves the ball. I mean, they, it's part of their scheme. You know, it's supposed to be the Austin Eckler role, but it's not right now. I mean, Kalen Balaj caught five of six targets. Like that will, you know, exponentially increase his floor. And if they're giving him 15 to 20 attempts as well at home against the Jets. Man, it's kind of like if this was, you know, a random player not named Kalen Balaj that we trolled for getting two yards per attempt. Well, then I think that a lot of people would be on him. So maybe it's, it's it's time to, like you said, remove the biases. Like if you removed your biases on Robbie Anderson due to the Adam Gase effect coming into the year, you probably made quite a bit of bank in the first four weeks of the season. So maybe now we do that at, at the midpoint. I don't know. Something to think about. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely might be onto something with Balage. And I just want to mention Jonathan Taylor. I mean, God, his price is so good. 5,800 at home against Green Bay, but you just can't play him. You, you just can't because he's going to see touches to Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Now, if there was like a miraculous injury, don't want to wish injury upon these players, but if there was a miraculous injury and Taylor or even Wilkins for that matter, became the primary starter. God, this is a smash spot for the Colts running backs. Just just wish we could play Jonathan Taylor this week, but I don't, I don't think you can. Uh, you know, Frank Reich is, you know, coming dangerously close to donkey territory. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I promise you I'm not playing that bum Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> oh, good, good old Jonathan Taylor, one of the worst running backs in the NFL. Yeah, he he's definitely has the biggest uh, ratio in terms of least amount of talent to most searched on YouTube. <laughs> that boy is popping on youtube i wonder if he knows that yeah he'd probably be searching himself like man they're really roasting me right now but so 
in terms of cash game lineup construction, I guess we kind of already have covered this, that it's really a matter of what you're doing at running back, depending how many cheap wide receivers and expensive wide receivers you're going to play. But, you know, who are some of the guys you're looking at outside of the obvious, the big three that we named in Allen, McLaurin, and Thomas, as well as uh, Jacoby Myers, who are all squarely in play? Where else are you looking at wide receiver this week? God, I think there are plenty of great wide receiver plays on the board this week, especially in the mid-range. Deontay Johnson at 5,900, I think is a phenomenal play. In every game that he started and finished, he's seen 10 plus targets. And I personally believe that he is the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh when they're all healthy. So I think it's a great price on him. Justin Jefferson, one of the best rookie wide receivers, and frankly, one of the better wide receivers in 2020 is 6,000 at home against the Cowboys. Great spot for him. Chase Claypool, 6,100. Great spot for him as well. And then you include, you know, Thielen in there. I think Will Fuller is in play. This mid-range is just super loaded, and I'm definitely going to be looking to play these guys everywhere this week. So those are some of my favorite plays on the board. You know, Justin Jefferson, I think, has the potential to become chalk. I'm not sure, depending, I think, on how, you know, the the touts tout him over the next couple of days will impact his ownership, but I think he'll project well. I think he is priced great at 6K, but, you know, I mean, we we dug into this before, and it's an obvious fact that Justin Jefferson can only pop once every three weeks, and this is not the third week. In fact, he popped last week with 24.5 points, so I think that we do, in fact, have to wait at least another three weeks so we can we can come back to Justin Jefferson in week 13 can't play him this week it's it's written in the stars kind of like the uh the Will Fuller moon theory (laughs) yeah you're definitely right about that so might be on team fade Justin Jefferson this week we gotta wait a couple more weeks so I was initially interested in going back to Brashad Perryman he snapped in his first game back uh in week nine following the week eight injury that he suffered had five for 101 and two touchdowns 30 DraftKings points in that island game but he is actually dealing with a new shoulder injury that he picked up at some point or simply is not healed from over the Jets by, I think that Jamison Crowder at 6,100, I mean, we know Crowder's role is extremely secure and the amount of targets that he can soak up in a given week is just extreme. So I like Crowder quite a bit at 6,100. And if Perryman misses, I think that we could look again to my son Denzel Mims at 3,300 in a spot where the Jets are going to be playing from behind quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you felt about Mims in terms of cash games, especially if you jam in those two high-priced running backs. Would you feel comfortable playing him in your cash lineup? I mean, two games with seven or more targets, I I think he is cash viable if you really need some salary relief. His price is very depressed. I think if Perryman is out, I would definitely consider it. I don't know. I mean, we saw Perryman kind of show the ceiling that Mims hasn't showed yet. I mean, I think he's definitely got that ceiling. I think he's got the talent for sure to get there. I just, I don't know if I would be comfortable going there in cash personally, especially with being more comfortable with running back value and guys like McKissick or Balaj, I think, to get up to some some better wide receiver plays. But I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, In terms of tight end this week, I mean, you already referenced it. Big week for the brand. DraftKings threw in the towel at tight end. They know it's, you know, pay down every week. That's the vibe. No tight end is priced above 4,900 this week. So what are you thinking in terms of cash? I know you said Dallas Goddard 
was interesting. Yeah, 3,800, he stands out to me for sure. Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be either Goddard, Hooper, or Logan Thomas. I think those are the three guys that I'm keying in on right now. If I need the salary, I don't mind playing Logan Thomas at 3,300, especially with Alex Smith at quarterback. We could see some elevated targets for him in a game that could potentially, you know, have some scoring and have more increased pass attempts. So if I have to, I will play Logan Thomas. That's my son obviously cat cat for him super hard in the offseason you know he he i think he's a tight end one on the season could be wrong yeah logan thomas is my boy but if i had to pick a tight end to play on this slate with salary included it'd probably be dallas goddard at 3800 he is actually the tight end 16 just to let you know but i mean i feel you i think logan thomas is a great play especially to save salary this week at 3300 i mean we might as well get him in there. We played him like five times already this year in cash. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? He gets us one point again. He's already done that. So <laughs> he's, I, I could accept that for sure. He's already set the expectations. One of the guys that I think I'm looking at the most, he's a little pricey. I mean, as pricey as you can be uh, when the position is capped at 4,900, but it's Hayden Hurst, I think, at 4,400 is really interesting. I mean, we haven't talked about a single Falcons player, and they're one of my favorite teams to look at this week. And I think that Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, if he returns, are both priced out of consideration, I think, in cash games. But I wouldn't mind getting some exposure to the Falcons side of the ball through Hayden Hurst. 4400 is an appropriate price. He's had seven or more targets in three straight games. He's had over or he's had double digit points in four straight games. And, you know, he just gives you exposure to the best game on the slate at an affordable price at 4,400. Hayden Hurst, definitely somebody I'd like to play if I can fit him. Yeah, I I definitely don't mind Hayden Hurst. I I just think that paying over 4,000 for a tight end is kind of a, a fishy move. Uh, on DraftKings. Over 4,000? <laughs> I'm keep dropping, dropping the floor, floor every week. Every week. We can't go over 4,000 this week. No shot in cash games. Uh, but there's just one thing that we didn't mention and I want to ask you about real quick. What? Do you think that PJ Walker would be viable in mm-hmm. cash games if Teddy Bridgewater were to miss this game at 4,800 at home against your Detroit Lions? Of course, PJ Walker would be would be in play. We're talking about you know Houston Roughnecks legend, XFL passing leader, XFL passing touchdown leader. I mean, if you were on the XFL vibe for the five weeks before COVID destroyed them, then you would know this man is legit. You know, no shade to Teddy Bridgewater, but but the Panthers are looking at a potential quarterback upgrade here. Absolutely, I would be in favor of playing PJ Walker at forty eight hundred. I mean, he might be the key to the slate. We're just waiting for some news. <laughs> okay, so. If Teddy is out, we can confirm that Ben will be playing PJ Walker in his cash lineup. You heard it here first. But nah, in all seriousness, I think that he would be very viable at 4,800 this week if that were to open up. And then that would allow for you to jam him in. I mean, that is just the whole, uh, decision point of the, of this slate specifically is whether or not you are going to play the high priced running backs. And if Walker opens up, I think it is viable to fit both of them in. So it's definitely a situation that we're going to have to monitor. As as the week progresses uh, in, in Carolina. Yeah, Teddy was limited today, which, you know, if you're limited on Wednesday, that usually, you know, inclines to me that he's going to play. But who actually knows? I mean, you 
I know you're kind of on the thing that, you know, the Panthers should just chalk it for the year, keep Christian McCaffrey out, keep Teddy out, and get healthy for a run next year. Yep, there's no reason to force CMC or Teddy into unnecessary games that, you know, have no impact on the season unless they make a miraculous seven-game win streak and they get one of, you know, the four wildcard spots that the NFL is going to have this year. Four wild card spots. Yeah, I mean it's coming. It's literally coming. Any any day now, I'm waiting to hear about that. But let's move on. Running a little bit long here. Tournament strategy, leverage stacks, and long shots. What do you got for the people? Yeah, so I think in tournaments this week, and just referencing back to last week, we saw you know chalky, cheap running backs. I think this week we are going to see chalky, high price running backs. So the way to get leverage on the field is to fade the high price running backs and go to the guys in the mid-range that have similar touch projections and I know we've mentioned some already with Mike Davis, DeAndre Swift, I think you can go to Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, uh, James Conner, who I mentioned. So I think that is the best way to get leverage in tournaments on DraftKings this week is to fade Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I mean, God, it's a scary fade, especially the Dalvin Cook fade. But one of my favorite pieces of leverage is kind of direct leverage off of Dalvin Cook. And it's Ezekiel Elliott at 6,500. I love Zeke this week coming off of a buy, I think that there's a good chance that Dallas recommits to Zeke. I know Tony Pollard was getting pretty involved pre-buy, but I think that they're going to self-evaluate. And whether it's right or not, they're going to think that it's time to get back to Zeke Elliott, get back to what works for them or what has worked for them. Zeke is great leverage. I mean, he's only 100 more than DeAndre Swift, who will probably be three to four times higher owned than Zeke. So he he's good ownership leverage. And we know that running backs in the same game negatively correlate so the better game that Zeke has the worse game Dalvin Cook has he's one of my favorite uh, leverage plays on the slate yeah I like Zeke a lot as well 6,500 is a great price for him and we have to note that he has hit 20 touches in each of his last two games 18 carries two catches against Pittsburgh 19 carries one catch against Philly it's just his upside is tremendously capped with the injuries on the Cowboys offensive line and then obviously the downgrade at quarterback from Dak to Andy Dalton but I think this is a spot where Zeke Elliott could have a blow up game at 6500 so i don't i don't mind him i think he is one of the better tournament plays and i will be playing him in you know some tournament lineups this week what else you got for tourneys yeah i mean i just have to go full-on homer this week I have to mention Damian Harris, 5,700 on the road against Houston, one of, if not the worst run defense in the NFL. And I mean, God, Damian Harris has looked extremely good over the last month. He's averaged five plus yards per carry in every single game over the last month in his last four games. He's hit 100 plus yards on the ground in two out of his last three games. Now, I will say his upside is capped since the Patriots don't use him in the receiving game. They reserve that role to good old Rex Burkhead, not even James White. It's uh, the Rex Burkhead show. So maybe you can get cute and play Rex Burkhead at 4,600 
this week in large field tournaments. I know this man has won somebody a million dollars this year already, and this is a great spot for the Patriots running backs. Um, and you can even get super contrarian and play James White at 4,200, who hasn't been a factor in New England this season, but I think as a receiving back, he has upside in this spot against Houston. And this is a spot where I think the Patriots could be trailing against a solid Houston offense. So I'm kind of surprised that you just named every running back on the Patriots roster, except for the only one we should look at, and that's Cam Newton. (laughs) This dude, Cam Newton, has three passing touchdowns and nine rushing touchdowns. I mean, we got to call it what it is. And on a slate without Murray and all those other guys that we mentioned, I think his rushing upside, you know, gives him a lot of viability on this slate. I think it's going to be easy for him to beat a lot of these guys who are strictly pocket passers in terms of fantasy points. So I'm actually interested in Newton this week, and he pairs well with uh, our boy, with your son, Jacoby Myers, as a stack. Yeah, I I like Cam Newton and Myers stacks this week. I think the offense will funnel through those two players and nobody else besides Damian Harris, of course. So in tournaments, I think that Cam Newton and Jacoby Myers is going to be not that popular. I think Myers will be popular, but Cam Newton won't. And 6,200 for a player of Cam Newton's caliber and a player that has shown a ceiling this year getting 38 points against Seattle. I think it's a great price for him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'll mention one other quarterback here, the last guy that I need to really mention in this tournament section, and that is Justin Herbert. Now, I have mixed feelings about Herbert because... You know, I mean, God, Joey, it came out right before we started recording, but this haircut, I mean, this man went from looking like a true stud with all the confidence in the world to looking like a prepubescent 16 year old with crusty socks because you know what he's doing in his room. He just learned about, you know, his body. (laughs) That's what I'm seeing out of Justin Herbert. So I I mean, can, can you actually play somebody? Who has that haircut? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you could play Justin Herbert with that horrendous haircut. But at 6,800 at home against the Jets, I mean, this dude is one of the best plays on the board. And, you know, he's been better than Lamar Jackson. And everybody's going to gravitate towards Lamar Jackson because he's only 500 more. But I think Justin Herbert has a very realistic shot at scoring more fantasy points on DraftKings than Lamar Jackson this week. So give me the $500 discount. Give me the ownership discount this week with Justin Herbert, especially in tournaments. Great play this week, even though he is probably too young to be playing in the NFL. He sure looks like it, but I mean, I I like the stack with him and Mike Williams at only 5,100. I think that that is a a contrarian way to go in tournaments. And we saw this, you know, a similar matchup. I mean, not calling Herbert Mahomes, but Mahomes piled up what, like five touchdowns against the Jets Mm -hmm. in a similar spot. Everybody was afraid to play him because it's going to be a blowout. It won't be competitive, this and that. I think Justin Herbert could definitely have a GPP winning week this week. And, you know, if you want to get away from Keenan or double stack with Keenan and one of my Mike Williams or Henry, I think that there's a lot of ways you could go to make that stack work. I definitely agree with that. Let's close out the show with our best bets of week 11. And man, it was a rough week last week. Let's let let's bounce back though. What, what do you got for the people this week? Yeah, I got another underdog line for the listeners. Didn't have a good week last week in terms of the underdog uh, in Seattle, uh, the sharp line movement was on the Rams we probably should have considered that but you know we bounce back and we're gonna get a dub this week and that dub Bengals underdog 
money line going into Washington. I think that Joe Burrow goes in and beats Alex Smith in this spot. So give me the Bengals who are currently one and a half point dogs on ESPN. Give me them to win outright because i'm just a savage like that god wow okay that's that's an interesting one i thought that you were gonna back me into a corner where my underdog i would have to money line them just out of respect but thankfully you did not the underdog that i want to get and i will take the points give me the falcons plus five everybody's so focused on you know Jameis or Taysom hill but the real answer is matt ryan i think that he is going to just obliterate the saints this week <laughs> i mean the falcons have been playing pretty well honestly since dan quinn got fired you know they get calvin ridley back most likely julio's still on a roll so yeah give me give me the falcons here plus five against the Jameis winston led saints and the second bet that i will throw out is a, a road favorite and that is going to be the Miami Dolphins minus three and a half against a Broncos team that will likely be rolling out Brett Rippon again with Drew Locke sidelined. So I, I just don't think that, that is a good recipe for the Broncos going against the Dolphins defense, which I'm going to put some legitimate respect on. I think that they win by quite a bit more than three and a half points. Yeah, I definitely like uh, both of those picks uh, just with the Dolphins I think the line is so low because Denver is a very tough place to play but my guy yeah. Tua is a certified winner and he's just gonna go in and, and secure a dub for the Dolphins they're gonna win by 10 plus so yeah no no shot Brett Rippon is the thing that stops Tua's win streak yeah Absolutely no shot no shot, no shot. so I, I like both of those bets and hopefully we get into the win category this week after a rough week 10 i can feel it i can feel a good week coming i mean there's no way that we've been such bad people that karma is gonna destroy us two weeks in a row right <laughs> i mean we've been wearing our masks <laughs> <laughs> wear our masks every day baby yeah come on come on stop the spread and, and stop the loss of the money from my DraftKings account, please. That that's what I need. Stop, stop the point five percent win rate from week ten, <laughs> please. But that's gonna be it for us in week eleven. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can support us in a variety of ways. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join the conversation on our Discord chat. Link to that is in the show notes. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter. You know, we got some fleets coming. You know, that's the, that's the thing the kids are doing now. I opened up Twitter the other day. I thought it was Instagram, but, you know, I guess I'm just an old man at this point, so who knows. But follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carey and DFS. All right, guys, we will be back to recap all of the Week 11 action on Monday. Prayers up that it is not Paincast Part 3. We'll talk to you then.